Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. So in one particular example, an apartment was bought at $275,000 and they just rented it at $2,500 a month. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Well, hi, best ever listeners. How's it going? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Adrian Foley. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Joe. How you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for joining the show. Adrian's joining us from sunny Miami, Florida. He is a real estate agent at a boutique firm called GSL Properties, and it is based in Miami, Florida. He works with buyers and sellers in Miami's top luxury submarkets. He's fluent in both Spanish and English and non-real estate related. Well, actually, this is probably real estate related. He attended law school and keeps his law license active, but focuses the bulk of his time on real estate. With that being said, Adrian, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, first of all, thanks a lot for having me on, Joe. Yeah, my background essentially, I, uh, I did my law studies in California. I grew up kind of all over the place. I was here in Miami when I finished high school. And uh, after finishing law school, I worked briefly in San Francisco and Oakland. And then I decided to return to Miami to see what kind of opportunities were here for me. While I was waiting to take the bar exam, I decided to go ahead and get my um, real estate license. And I just fell in love with it. I really enjoy uh, working as a realtor. So even after I got my license, I, uh, or my law license, that is, established a small private practice and uh, dedicated myself mostly to real estate. I did a few uh, real estate closings and transactions. I helped with some small business. And then now, uh, at this moment, I'm essentially just doing real estate, working as a realtor. Um, I keep my 
law license active because it's very useful, especially when it comes to, you know, staying on top of legal education and uh, dealing with contracts. But for the most part, I'm just a realtor. How do you use your law license? You said it's it can be useful, especially with contracts. How is it useful? What are some things that uh, maybe the best ever listeners can pick up based on how you use it? Sure. I mean, for me, I think the the most useful aspect of it is that it allows me to understand terms and clauses in um, contracts that maybe the average buyer investor may not be familiar with or seller for that matter. You know, when you're discussing, you know, the obligations and liabilities of different parties, it's really easy to or it's it's useful to be able to read that, interpret it and then explain it to a client in a uh, in a clear fashion. So in my personal experience, it's been very useful for commercial retail contracts. I work with some national uh, retailers and looking for their space here in Miami. And um, if I didn't have that law background, I don't think it would have been so easy for me to jump into that kind of uh, work. What are some of the terms and clauses and contracts that you understand based on your experience that perhaps might not be as obvious to others who don't have it? Okay, so looking, let's say, at the residential side, if you're, um, if you're discussing, for example, the timing of a contract in, in Florida, they use two different kind of uh, what's called a boilerplate contract. It's just a, a form contract that realtors fill out. And uh, depending on which one you're using, uh, it can affect the timing of your payments or your inspection period. You know, if you're a buyer and you're in your head thinking that you have 14 calendar days to do an inspection, and it turns out that you have less time and it's really only uh, seven business days, that's a pretty big mistake if you don't get all your um, inspections done properly before you can rescind a contract. So it's, it's little things like that that kind of stand out, in, at least in terms of interpreting a, a clause. Yeah, the, the good old calendar days versus business days, that's definitely one of them to, to include if you're a seller to make sure that you've got or at least try to put in calendar days. And if you're a buyer, try to put in business days. What are some other clauses like that? God, you know, right, right off the top of my head, it's hard to kind of pinpoint a specific clause. But I guess for the, uh, the sales transactions, the other thing is, you know, obligations of deposits and all that. It's, you know, it, like I said, it's not, um, it's not always going to be something that necessarily you, you have to be an attorney to understand. It's just uh, having the background allows me to explain it in a, in a more simple fashion, I guess, to most of my clients. What percentage of your clients are investors? Right now, about a quarter of my clients. Okay. And of those quarter of your clients, tell me some of the things that you've noticed from them and how have you started working with them successfully? So in the Miami market, what I've noticed is that, you know, we've got so much development going on right now that a lot of buyers are having a hard time, I guess, distinguishing between what is uh, market reality and what is market uh, speculation. You know, in particular, you look at, in the case of my buyers, that we're looking at um, existing inventory versus brand new inventory that's coming online or that's in development. And there's a pretty drastic difference in asking prices in one particular market, which is called Edgewater, which is just north of downtown Miami. You'll see existing inventory right on the water, beautiful unobstructed views. And they've got asking prices that are about $200 less than a smaller unit in a brand new building. And these are inventories that when they're you know, all said and done, they're maybe eight years apart in terms of age. So really it's understanding what, you know, what is the real value behind things. You know, the other thing that my buyers are really paying attention to in Miami is in terms of development, where is all the new development occurring? You know, a lot of areas have gone up. Miami Beach is extremely popular. There's always a new project, but it's also gone the way of 
super high luxury. So the market gets smaller and smaller in terms of uh, perspective or prospective buyers. So for my buyers now, it's finding what's the next area that there's going to be a lot of development and a lot of opportunity. And we're actually finding that uh, the area of downtown, we feel, is pretty undervalued and has a lot of exciting stuff going on. Whenever you're looking with investors, what are some of the common questions that they're asking? A lot of the common questions actually stem from what they read in newspapers. So they'll want to know about, you know, they might see in the Wall Street Journal or in um, the Miami Herald a particular article about a brand new project. Um, the big ones being, you know, Miami World Center or Brickle City Center. So they'll ask questions that are, you know, go back to what do I think the values are? Uh, what are the advantages of some of these new places? What do I think about location? Um, and then really the bottom line is what do I think the return is going to be on their money? Um, you know, it's a lot of people might try to make the play to buy a certain property and ride the appreciation and others are taking it really from the investment perspective of what's my actual return going to be in terms of rent. Um, and with so much inventory in the works right now, you know, it takes a little bit of time to do your proper research and understand what your rental rates are going to be once you actually acquire the property. How do you quantify for the investor that's looking for the, you know, buy the property and ride the appreciation, which is not how I would do it, but, you know, it's it's worked for some people. So I'm curious about that. For, for the investors that do that, how do you help them quantify what the return will be? Sure. Because it's speculation. Yeah, it, I mean, it really is speculation. You're right. Um, if you're really looking at it in terms of investment, you'd look at it more in terms of what's the market going to give me right now and how predictable that is. In terms of appreciation, and again, when it goes to the speculation of this new inventory coming online and, uh, or new areas, a lot of what we look at is you know historical prices for Miami, what the medium sales prices have been for, uh, in the case of condos or single family homes for those particular areas. You know, at the moment, I think one of the bright points for, for buyers looking with that perspective or in that context is that Miami right now is probably around 2004 prices. So we're still not really back to the height of 2007, where, as you know, things just went bad everywhere. And I guess for those buyers, they're at least kind of comforted by that aspect. For other buyers, you know, when they are looking to buy something and maybe ride appreciation, I am quick to point out to them that there's a lot of existing inventory now that I think is probably better priced and more predictable in terms of what they're going to get over the next few years for the rentals and what they can probably expect to get in, in terms of appreciation. For the rentals, what type of returns are they getting on the, the ones that actually are starting cash flowing? You know, it depends on what year they bought it. Uh, a lot of buyers were really um, smart and they bought at the bottom in 2011. So an example I, I mentioned to you, the areas of uh, Edgewater before and downtown or just north of downtown, you know, rental rates increased there over the past two years. I think in 2013, it was uh, 14%. Last year was 16%. This year in Edgewater, I'm seeing uh, brand new record highs for rentals. So in one particular example, um, an apartment was bought at 275000 and they just rented it at uh, $2,500 a month. So pretty good returns for them in terms of residential condo rentals. You've been in the business for how long? Three years. Three years. And you are actively working with clients, both buyers and then also sellers. And then um, a quarter of them are investors. How do you get your new clients? And which ones are your ideal clients? 
Well, I'll start, I guess, with ideal clients. Ideal clients are anybody who's referred to me by a prior client. I mean, um, it's great when you have a happy client that enjoyed working with you, um, that can recommend you as a professional. Um, and my ideal client is someone who, um, when we, I guess that when we met or when we meet, they've actually done maybe a little bit of groundwork in terms of research. And then we can sit down and have a conversation and I can clear up any kind of misunderstandings or questions they may have, you know, cause that shows that at that point, that buyer or that seller is ready to, um, to take the next step. Sometimes people will start their the real estate decisions months, maybe even a year in advance. And it's, it's great to help along that way. But of course, you'd always want to be working with the most recent information possible. So um, it's hard to tell somebody or predict to them where the market's going a year from now when they're, if they're trying to you know, work then versus right now. You ask me where I get my clients. Um, if they're not through referral, then a lot of them are actually through social media. I, I've tried my best to try to keep a, a daily blog. I, I don't always get to it, but I found that when you blog about either um, market conditions or certain aspects of a, of a neighborhood that are nice or, you know, top reasons to, uh, to live in a particular area, that attracts a lot of um, buyers and renters and, they, you know, they'll get in touch with you and that's a great way to start working together. Let's talk a little bit about getting clients, you know, with social media, you've got the daily blog. What's your, your blog so the best ever listeners can go check it out? Sure. The blog's on my website. It's uh, www.adrianfoley.com, um, A-D-R-I-A-N-F-O-L-E-Y. And my daily blog is really, I, I just follow sales figures and then sometimes I'll do some infographics to explain a process. An example of an infographic would be uh, a simple guide to renting in Miami. You know, I've, I've dealt with a lot of renters that will come down to Miami from uh, New York or Chicago and they're not familiar with the steps down here. So an infographic is a great way in a, you know, in a quick glance to kind of transmit what are the steps going to be and what do they need to know. The other thing I use for infographics, I'll just put a quick little market guide so people can see what the uh, price per square foot has been in the past month in sales and uh, maybe break it down a little bit more specific. So it'll be price per square foot in buildings newer than 2004, for example. You know, it's, it's, it's a way to attract attention, especially from the biggest uh, group of buyers right now who are millennials. You've got social media, you've got your daily blog, adrianfoley.com. You've got word of mouth through referrals. How Are you doing anything in particular, any sort of program or any sort of marketing tactic to increase the word of mouth? I try to be consistent with staying in the mind of clients. So whether that's either you know contacting them every couple of um, reminding people what I'm up to, you know, Facebook posts and LinkedIn posts help with that as well. It's just a lot of it. And what has been a learning, uh, I guess, path for me or a journey is understanding that in real estate, consistency is, is the greatest uh, tool you have. So as far as keeping in touch and keeping on people's minds, it's just stay consistent with what you're doing and um, dedicate some time to it every day. Adrian, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? My best advice would be if you're going to invest in the market, take the time to understand what is real and what is speculation. You know, I spoke to you about Miami and I guess here there's media perception of what the market is and uh, speculation as to what values are. So really take the time to understand what uh, what those are. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Miami for any best ever listener who's, who's interested in, in looking at Miami. If we were in a helicopter looking down on the city 
and we were divided up into quadrants. How would you describe each of the quadrants? Sure. So, well, first of all, if you were flying over today, you know, you'd notice that it's vastly different from where it was 10 years ago and where it's going to be five years from now. I guess the way you would look at it is Miami Beach is the strip of land right off of the mainland. And then if you're um, looking west at the um, mainland where Miami is, you have Brickell. And then across the Miami River, there's the downtown area. There's the areas of uh, Edgewater and Wynwood and Midtown and the Design District. You know, it's Miami is a really exciting place to live right now. We're, we're having a great moment in terms of development. The global buyer is not only helping us in terms of values, but they're also transforming the city we live in. Um, you know, I know that you're based in New York, so just New York buyers, one of the great contributions to Miami is that they've brought a lot of a demand for cultural attractions and pedestrian-friendly locations. So as a result, for example, the areas of downtown, that's an area you wouldn't be caught dead in about 10 years ago in terms of living, and now people want to be there. There's there's great projects. There's a brand new art museum. There's a museum of sciences going up. There's the Adrian Arch Performing Arts Center. You know, all these things being built close to each other is affecting the lifestyle that we have here. And as far as quadrants go, as time goes on, Miami will continue to go, A, vertical in terms of the height of their buildings, and then B, most of the, the, most of the living is going to become more urbanized. So I'm not sure if that really answered uh, as well as you were looking for, but that's kind of what the different areas are. Yeah, that's, that's helpful from a, you know, from a um, kind of the evolution of the market. As far as the actual pockets, and if we were to look at it just on a map and just point, hey, this top left quadrant is XYZ, typically bottom left XYZ, top right XYZ. How would you describe those four? Okay, so the... And let me ask, is that even the best way to do it? Or is it more, actually, it's Joe, it's actually more of a third, a third, a third? Or, I mean, because I, I know I, I've asked that question to certain people and, and some are like, well, it's actually not the right way to look at it for this market. Let's look at it in this shape or this way. Yeah, actually, you know, if I, was, if I were to describe it in a shape for your listeners, so someone who's not familiar with Miami, I guess what I would do is looking at it from above, the bottom of the triangle uh, you'd have areas of offshore, which would be Miami Beach, uh, Key Biscayne. And then when you get to the middle of the triangle and you move on land, you're looking at, you know, as far south as Coconut Grove to, you know, starting from left to right, Coconut Grove to Brickell to downtown to Edgewater to Midtown to the design district. And then uh, if you move a little bit above that, now you're in the area of the kind of heading west from the bay Following the river, you have, you have uh, I guess, the Miami River District. You have the areas of Little Havana. Doral is, is farther west as well. You know, the thing about Miami is that it's, it's a giant, giant market. There's so many different sub-areas within it. A lot of what I've spoken to you today is from the perspective of working around kind of the, uh, the downtown urban core area. But, you know, you can go, if you were to just drive from one end of uh you know, the daily realtors work here to the other, you're looking at easily, you know, 20 miles of distance in each direction. Where do you find that investors typically want to invest and where should they be investing? I think right now investors should be looking at the downtown area of Miami. I think it's really undervalued. You know, there's a lot of projects going up there and whether you're looking at um, retail spaces, uh, office condos or residential condos that are going up, there's a lot being developed there that's attracting the uh, 
both the foreign buyer and uh, the national buyer, you know, like I mentioned to you, this this development of pedestrian-friendly locations in downtown, they're expanding the sidewalks, they're um, making pedestrian-friendly streets, and it's it's going to be kind of the epicenter of all our cultural activity here too. So as far as buying has gone so far, not a lot of people have entered that market, but given its location and how everything's starting to kind of be attracted towards it or revolve around it, I think that's a great area to look. How much money does it take to get something in downtown right now? You know, I think in downtown right now, you can find uh, something in the low 200s, um, maybe the 300s. You know, and that's that's a pretty good deal when you're looking to the two closest markets on either side of it, whether that be south or north. And those areas, you really do need to have a budget of closer to 350 to 400. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round, Adrian? I absolutely am. All right. Well, I am absolutely ready to go, too. First, a quick word from our best ever partners crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's p-a-t-c-h-o-f-l-e-n-d.com forward slash best ever. Need more leads for your investing business? Read the Small Business Owner's Guide to Local Lead Generation for actionable advice that will help you get all the leads you need without breaking the bank. Visit localleadgenbook.com for more info. Adrian, what's the best ever book you've read? That's a tough question. I, there's so many books that I enjoy. I think one of my favorite books is The Power of One. It's a great story based on true events about just overcoming struggles and setbacks. And um, yeah, as of right now, I'm actually reading a book that I really enjoy as well. I think it's great, called The China Mirage. It's about American diplomatic and economic history in China, which is a great new perspective. Best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of books like those. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learn from it? My best ever personal growth experience was going to law school because it's uh, extremely challenging and I, I learned a lot about how to stay consistent and persevere through the highs and lows of different struggles. Best ever success habit you practice? A to-do list every day. It took me a while to learn to do this and I actually saw, I saw it in use by um, a couple of successful businessmen that were mentoring me and um, I have to say that if you can start your day and make your to-do list and accomplish everything you put on that list, then you're going to see some success. Best ever deal that you've worked on? I think my first deal was actually my best, not in terms of financial return, but um, it was a great experience. I worked with a buyer who was actually a my fourth grade teacher, and um, she was great to work with. And I'm someone who grew up abroad, so it was nice to reconnect with somebody in Miami and help her and her family find a, find a new home. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Right now, the most exciting thing I'm doing is um, I'm working on helping investment buyers and foreign buyers with uh, setting up a property management company for them. You know, a lot of a lot of foreign buyers, especially especially Asians, they'll look at the Miami market and it's so far away from them that they want to know that even after buying something, they'll be taken care of in terms of management of the property. So. Right now, that's what I'm working on, and it's it's great to learn more about that business and the different kind of platforms that exist to make a seamless management service possible. Best ever way you like to give back? The best ever way I like to give back is giving of my time. You know, I found when I started in real estate, it was tough to find people that would give you time and not expect at least something in return, whether it be a cut of a transaction or they'd expect you to work on something for them. 
Um, so for me, whenever somebody asks my time, whether it's a client or another realtor or somebody getting into the into the business, I love to give back whenever I can. What's the biggest mistake you've made in business? The biggest mistake I've made is being too informal with um, with good acquaintances. Um, you know, sometimes when you're working with friends or people you know and you you go to work on a business transaction, you forget to take a lot of the formalities that you normally would with uh, a party that's unfamiliar to you. So what I learned in doing that is moving forward, whether it's, uh, you know, my best friend or an acquaintance, then make sure to keep some of those formalities around so that everything's very clear from the beginning in terms of the expectations of each party. And what's the best ever place to reach you? Best ever place to reach me is either via my website or via email, uh, adrian at adrianfoley.com. Adrian, thank you for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and myself and uh, talking through a lot of things, actually. You know, not, not only Miami, but also you know, one tip that is a major takeaway, and this is for any real estate investor out there, or even if you're not investing in real estate, even if you're buying your own thing, is the difference between calendar days and business days. If you haven't focused on that whenever you're writing up contracts, you need to. There's a huge difference. It can, it can mean lots of money. It can mean transactions that happen as a result of you putting in whichever day is better. It could mean earnest money being uh, wiped away or uh, received by you. Definitely pay attention to tra- calendar days versus business days in any contract that you're, you're doing. Um, also taking a look at what are the what type of returns are you, are you looking for in uh, the market that you're, you're investing? You know, some, some investors are still doing that whole speculation play. I definitely wouldn't recommend that, but uh, nonetheless, it's still in, in play. Um, and then others are doing more of the cash flow. It was really interesting to hear how you're getting clients. You're, you, know, you've, you have a, a blog that you do almost daily, adrianfoley.com. Everybody go check that out, especially if you're interested in the Miami market. And then uh, word of mouth, being consistent. I think consistency is definitely key uh, in, in being top of mind with clients. And then thank you for walking us through the Miami market in particular, talking about downtown as the area of opportunity that you see right now. And for any best ever listener interested in about Miami, definitely reach out to Adrian. So thank you so much, Adrian, for being on the show. And we'll talk to you soon. Joe, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.